Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, which reads, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Without love, a Christian becomes spiritually empty and sometimes obnoxious. Doing things that look spiritual or that make you feel good about yourself but are not motivated by love are of no value to the body of Christ. Please listen to today's slice of this week's message entitled, Empty, Obnoxious, Loser, Quote-Unquote Christian. Well, now let's uh, open the Word of God together and uh, have a special sermon for you this morning, How to Be an Empty, Obnoxious, Loser Christian. Sorry, I couldn't think of any more uplifting title for a sermon during the time that everybody's quarantined and lonely, Um, but actually um, there's a reason for this, and uh, to think that I, I promised you we would be dealing with the love chapter. Well, we are. The love chapter is the nickname of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But as everything in our world is changing these days, that's uh, sending ripples through uh, Heritage Bible Church and my life and my plans. But since my incentive to finish 1 Corinthians before a trip late in April to go to Russia and teach this book, since, since that incentive is gone, well, we can now slow down and we can imbibe more deeply the rest of the way through the book. And that includes Uh, devoting more than the one visit that I had originally intended to this great chapter. Now, where did that disgusting outline come from? Where did that uh, title come from, I should say? Well, the title and the outline come straight from our text. First three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, how to be spiritually obnoxious, how to be spiritually empty, and how to be a spiritual loser. But before we get there, I think it's prudent to deal with a very interesting phrase in our text. It's one that is often lifted from its context and twisted in our modern world, so I want to take some time to sort it out. It's right in the first verse. Paul writes, "'If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal.'" It's important to understand the meaning of the word tongues and the word as Paul uses it in this context. It's not ambiguous. A lot of people try to make it complicated, and it really isn't. Many of the things you hear about this verse and this word are, uh, well, they're, they're simply from the imagination. They're not from the text of Scripture. The word tongues translates the Greek word glossa. That word occurs 51 times in the New Testament. It's used uh, once to describe, in Acts chapter 2, the the phenomenon that was seen by people, the cloven tongues of fire. In other words, flames appearing as uh, split into two parts like a tongue. 
In that case, it was a visual phenomenon, and it looked like a tongue. Well, that's one of 51 uses. It's used more than a dozen times in the New Testament for that thing in your mouth. It's used for the instrument of speech and taste. But the most common use of the word glossa is the exact equivalent to our English word language. Now, some of you might already know this, but I want to nail down for you why we say that the spiritual gift of tongues is the ability to speak in a foreign language that has not been learned by the one who is speaking it. So we'll take a little bit of time before we open up the text this morning, and I want to give you seven evidences that tongues are known languages. As I say, it really isn't hard to understand. The first one is the, the meaning of the word glossa, or tongues. A very solid resource that is respected by all English-speaking Bible scholars is the Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words by W.E. Vine. The full title of this, this is really catchy, it is called Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, a comprehensive dictionary of the original Greek words with their precise meanings for English readers. It's a very, very helpful tool. I still use it uh, today after many, many years of study. Uh, Vine summarizes the three uses of the word glossa in the New Testament, or or tongues. First of all, there are the cloven tongues in Acts chapter 2. I mentioned that. And then it is used as a language. Uh, Seven times this occurs in Revelation, along with tribe, people, and nation. In other words, a way that you can distinguish groups of people one from another is by the language they speak, or the tribe they belong to, or a group of people that they are associated with, or the the national boundaries. Tongue is uh, analogous to that. And then there is the third use, the supernatural gift of speaking in another language without it being learned. Now, you might uh, also find out if you were to study that the, the Septuagint, that's that Greek translation of the Old Testament into the Greek language from the uh, Hebrew and Aramaic, uh, the Septuagint uses the word glossa about 160 times. In every single case, it is always either the organ in your mouth of speech and taste, or it refers to a human language. Now, I say that just to let you know, there is absolutely no precedent whatsoever, not any, anywhere at all, there's no precedent for the actual biblical word uh, glossa not to be a human language if it is used for anything that by, by way of sound. Second evidence, glossa, that word tongues, is used interchangeably with the Greek word dialectos. And yes, that's where our word dialect comes from. In Acts chapter 2, when this phenomenon first occurred, it, those two words are used inter- interchangeably to describe the spiritual gift at work. We know what human languages were spoken. Now, that would not be true if the gift of tongues did not equal human languages. Evidence number three. There is, and I kind of already alluded to this, but there is no exegetical, that means coming from the text, 
or etymological, that means coming from the history of the meaning of the word, there is no evidence that there are two different kinds of gifts of tongues. In other words, there's languages and then there is non-language or uh, sometimes called ecstatic speech. The book of Acts always, when this gift is manifested, uses the word glossa in the plural, meaning languages. Now, that would be irrelevant if it was describing something that isn't linguistic. If it's not linguistic, we can rightly call it gibberish. But there is no such, there's no meaning to the word gibberishes, plural, because the singular gibberish includes all forms of sound that comes out of your mouth that isn't language. Now, let me give you a little footnote here. This is old news to some of you, especially you that have been with us on Wednesday nights at Heritage Bible Church. A very interesting insight was practiced by the translators of the King James Version of the Bible. They followed the criterion whenever in the book of 1 Corinthians, especially chapter 14, there's five instances of it, whenever the word tongue, glossa, appeared in the singular, they put the word unknown in front of it in italics. The italics means, well, there's not a Greek word there for unknown, but they put that word there because their conviction is that the singular use refers to the pagan counterfeit of tongues, which is gibberish or ecstatic speech. That happens in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 2, 4, 13, 14, and 19. When we get to chapter 14, we'll deal with those. But that's a very good insight. It fits the context, it fits the word use, and I think they did something very wise in that case. Seventh, or fourth of the seven evidences that tongues are known languages. The word interpretation means translation. It's the Greek word hermeneuo. We get that, we take that word into English into hermeneutics, the art and science of translating and interpreting old texts. The word hermeneuo and the noun form of it describe explaining the meaning of words in a language. There are stronger forms of that word that include the idea not only of translating, but of giving a full explanation. So it would be similar to our English word expound, or we speak of expository preaching, exposing what is there. Now, that has a strong implication. Where the gift of tongues was, to be, was practiced, there was also to be the gift of interpretation. That means the spiritual gift of the interpretation of tongues is the supernatural ability to translate an unlearned language. And therefore, it is a 100% verifiable miracle when a person speaks in tongues. Um, we, if you are in a room and... Uh, most of the people speak English, and all of a sudden, one person starts speaking in Italian, and then somebody else stands up and says what he said was, and then he translates it, and you have a native Italian speaker in the room, he could say, yeah, that's right. So it's 100% verifiable when it is the biblical gift. Number five of these seven, 1 Corinthians 12.10 and 1 Corinthians 12.18, we've been past them in our studies already, they mention kinds of languages. The word translated kind or kinds there is the Greek word genos, from, we get, from which we get our English word genus or genealogy, all the derivatives of that. It means a family or a group. You know, there are families and types of languages, dialects, etc. So that would be irrelevant to gibberish, but it's perfect for 
languages. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.